We're going to read uh, 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 quite a bit of scripture and and because uh, they're about stories this morning, and um, uh, they're familiar with you. Uh, but we're going to draw some some uh, truths, I think, and and pictures for us this morning from this. Now, a certain woman had a flow of blood for twelve years. And had suffered many things from many physicians. She had spent all that she had and was no better, but rather grew worse. How do you like those doctors, huh? <laughs> when she heard about Jesus, she came behind him in the crowd and touched his garment and that that when he heard about Jesus, he'd understand that when she heard that he was there in her city, okay? She came behind him in the crowd and touched his garment, for she said, if only I may touch his clothes, I shall be made well. Immediately the fountain of her blood was dried up and she felt in her body that she was healed of the affliction. And Jesus, immediately knowing in himself that power had gone out from him, turned around in the crowd and said, Who touched me? But his disciples said to him, You see the multitude thronging you, and you say, Who touched me? I think that's a reasonable question, isn't it? And he looked around to see her who had done this thing. But the woman, fearing and trembling, knowing what had happened to her, now there's some real story behind the fear and trembling, all right? When you consider her condition. She came and fell down before him and told him the whole truth. And he said to her, daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your affliction. We go to another story, and again, he entered Capernaum after some days, and it was heard that he was in the house. Immediately, many gathered together so that there was no longer room to receive them. And kind of like this morning. You know, overflow. Not even near the door. And he preached the word to them. Then... They came to him, bringing a paralytic who was carried by four men. And when they could not come near him because of the crowd, they uncovered the roof where he was. So when they had broken through, they let down the bed on which the paralytic was lying. Not that I have already attained or am already perfected, but I press on. Everybody say press on. <laughs> that I may lay hold of that which, for which Christ Jesus has laid hold of me. An individual, you know, call, individual touch. Specifically, you know, related to him. Specifically relating to each of us. 
Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind, reaching forward to those things which are ahead, I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call in Christ Jesus. Thank you. Today I want to talk to us about pressing in and pressing through. The story of this woman and this man. A woman with a issue of blood and a man who was paralyzed and the effects that it had upon their lives and I would like to how can I say it press through Press in, press beyond. So that we're not victims of inconvenience. Inconvenience. Victim or prisoners of inconvenience. Culturally, I think that we have become a society of convenience. If it's convenient, I will do it if it's convenient. But think about it this morning as we go into this, that how much is left on the table if we allow our life to be run by convenience. What are we missing if convenience becomes the rule of the day or of our life? With that in mind, we see that these two stories, they did not let inconvenience interfere, but they pressed in and they pressed through. It's important that we look at the story just for a moment of the woman, 12 years she had suffered from hemorrhaging. We can demise that she was weak and she was tired by fact of what she had, she was an outcast. She lived in isolation. The paralytic man was completely and totally dependent. It says that every 
medical doctor, all the skills that they rendered and all the treatments that were given to her, they just did not help. Now this morning, I'm just not going to talk about healing. Those issues of life that are connected to our physical being. Because there's much more affected by various issues that we have. She experienced hopelessness. She had exorbitant medical bills. She was of such in the eyes of society and the people that she had to come in secrecy. But she came determined. She refused to let the inconvenience, those men refused to let the inconvenience stop them from what was on the table. We don't want to leave anything on the table, folks. But it requires pressing in and pressing through. She had issues. He had issues. We all have issues. Everyone has issues. No one gets a free pass from the challenges of life. There'll always be inconvenience. Resistance will always, you know, exist when you reach for all that's on the table. Those issues that we may have in life that affect us not only affect us, but affects those that we come in contact with. Those issues that literally prevent us. Twelve years. Taking a toll upon her body. Both of them had to break through inconvenience. Are you hearing me this morning? We become victims of inconvenience. So let's look at some of the Outgrowth and the results of this issue that she had and see if we can relate. Problems and things that dominated her life. We know that she had physical issues. In her case, her physical issue was 
relationship to her body. He had physical issue in relationship to his body. Evident, legitimate, and yet they didn't let those issues prevent them from pressing in and pressing through. The physical issues they had in their body are the physical issues that you encounter in life can bring with it other issues. And the other issues that it brings falls in the category of inconvenience. One of the extended issues that she experienced was financial issues. The physical issue had borne into her life financial issues. It says in verse 26 that she spent all that she had. She had exhausted all her resources and treatment and doctors was no better. She had nothing. She was in financial ruin. She had financial stress. How many would say that's true, Pastor? She had financial stress. She was broke. And it was still bleeding. Not just her body, but her finances were still bleeding. Oh, when Jesus heals, let me tell you. She not only had financial issues, but she had relational issues. The law of the day that she lived under. She was to declare herself unclean. Very strict. Leviticus 15 says this, as a woman has a discharge of blood for many days other than that at the time of her customary impurity, or if it runs beyond her usual time of impurity, all the days of her, her unclean discharge shall be as the days of her customary impurity. She shall be unclean. I mean... I thank God for grace. Listen, every bed that she lies on all the days of her discharge, she'll be her as impure. I mean, everything she touched, everything, you know. She couldn't participate in temple worship. She was unable to live a normal life. But she didn't let inconvenience stop her. She pressed in 
and she pressed through. Socially, she was a little better than a leper. She had spiritual issues. Her condition was not only physically debilitating, but it also, you know what I mean, prevented her from the religious service in general. On top of that, she not only was, you know, not free to worship, she also would have been viewed as someone that was cursed by God. In other words, her problem was, you know, not merely something that happened, it was actually a judgment of God. She was sick because of sin, and God was punishing her. Well, the devil's good with that one. Mentality of the people that day was of such. The man born blind is. People ask, why is he like this? His own sin? But she didn't let inconvenience. Stop her from pressing in and pressing through. She had hopeless issues. <coughs> Crisis events can produce these extra issues. It can have an effect on your spiritual life. It can be long enough that it, it, you know, deals a blow to hope. It also can begin to affect your relationships. whether it's a condemnation of yourself or it's a condemnation of others. Jet issues. Well, of issues. Life is not convenient. But yet as such an advanced culture we are our own victims of convenience or inconvenience. King Agrippa said, 
As Paul preached to him, he, she, he said, at a more convenient time, I will hear you. Let's do it tomorrow. Or maybe the next day. When the schedule is not quite such, when my hands are not so full, when it's convenient, I will hear you again. What would have happened if these people would have said, when it's convenient? They would have never pressed in and they never pressed through and there would have been a lot left on the table. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Sometimes the table requires that you press in and press through because there is so much on the table of the Lord. Yeah. Let us move on and we'll talk about some other things. The first thing that she does is as she reaches out. She pressed through her crisis, her wilderness. She didn't let it dictate. Yes, it had been 12 years, but she hadn't yet heard that there was an answer. It says when she heard about Jesus, she became inspired. If I can only touch his clothes, I shall be made whole. She pressed. She pressed. We must not let our spiritual lives be controlled by our convenience. Work while it is day because the night comes when no man can work. This is the greatest day of opportunity because there's still light. When she began to hear about Jesus, faith began to arise in her heart that motivated her to reach out. When she heard the word, something significant began to take place in her heart, in her mind, and she started to believe what she was hearing. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. She started to believe what she was hearing. It was the prophet Isaiah said this in, in Isaiah 53. Starts it out with, who has believed the report? Now we sit here this morning and we have believed the report, you know, of the cross the love of Jesus, the saving grace of the Master. Let us not fall prey 
active and convenience. Her life had progressively heard more and more, and she reached a point where she believed. And Jesus came to her town, and she didn't let inconvenience keep her from pressing in. And when she made that step and made that move, when she went ahead and was, was believing what she heard, she went from hearing to hoping. If I can touch his clothes, I shall be made well. Hallelujah. She says, I know that if I reach out, if I don't let inconvenience keep me back, there is something there for me that I have not yet tapped into. Woo! That faith and expectation energized her and so that she, she, she pressed through with the obstacles, whether they're physical, emotional, whether they're people issues. Couldn't hold her back. She received healing. She received healing and We're going to see how that healing affected all those other areas that she experienced. She didn't wait for Jesus to come and touch her. She reached out and touched him. Hallelujah. She reached out and touched him. So notice in this touch that was on the table that she pressed into. When she tapped into the power of Jesus, she discovered that his power was not impersonal. Not an impersonal force that goes ahead and moves on your behalf. You know, something that's detached from God, no. But it is rather God personally engaging her. A personal touch. Yeah. See, God's power is part of who He is. Jesus didn't just stop and let the, the power flow 
She gets the results, but it says he stopped and he engaged her. He engaged her. He wanted to give her something more than that physical healing. And the scripture says what he gave her. First of all, he gave her his love and he gave her family identity. It would have been customary for that day for him to call her woman. But he didn't call her woman. He says, daughter. Daughter. Family expression. Hallelujah. He encouraged her. He says, your faith has made you whole. She walked away with more than just an issue of blood dried out. But she received a family. Those 12 years where peace had been missing from her life, all of a sudden was granted to her. It was Joel that said, I would restore what the locusts have eaten, the palmer worm, the canker worm. He turned to her and after calling her daughter and he says, go in peace. What he's saying is that your life can finally calm down. You can get back to living normal. Your suffering is over because she refused to leave it on the table. She didn't wait. She reached out. She pushed through with faith. Hers wasn't a pop-up faith, like folks. Hers was a faith that pressed in and pressed through. What is pressing? What does it bring to you? Let's take a couple of parables that Jesus gave. You remember the story of the friend at midnight. At midnight he comes and asks for some provision, some loaves of bread, and this is a friend of his. Now listen, the power of pressing is greater than the power of friendship. So he says, he goes to his friend and asks, and he says, do not trouble me. The door is now shut. This is inconvenient. My children are with me in bed. I cannot rise and give to you. 
But I say to you, hear this word of the Lord, church. Though he will not rise and give him because he is his friend, yet because of his pressing, his persistence, he will arise and give him as many as he needs. That power of pressing in is more powerful than even friendship. Another story. The unjust judge. And he spoke a parable to them that man not always to pray and not to lose heart. Ooh, come on. <laughs> I, I think he wants us to pray. I think he wants us to press in. I think he wants us to push through. I don't know about you, but I don't want to leave anything on the table. He says, there was a certain city, a judge, who did not fear God nor regard man. There was a widow in that city, and she came to him saying, Get justice for me from my adversary. And he would not for a while, but afterward he said within himself, Though I do not fear God nor regard man, yet because of her persistence and pressing, I will. I will what? I will get justice. I will give her justice. He says, Shall God not avenge his own elect to cry day and night, though he bears long with them, though there is a long period of time, though it seems like it's, you know, not going to happen? I will do it. Why? Because you pressed in and you pressed through. Powerful. So there's provision. And there is justice that's on the table. And it comes by pressing. It comes by pressing. We must not quit. We must keep going. May have been a long time. A lot of inconveniences. <clears throat> but you gotta press. You don't have to go away empty. You can go away full. Let me tell you a real story this morning of 
a couple in our church and I was going to have him tell it himself. But he doesn't happen to be here this morning. They don't happen to be here this morning. But he shared it with me. Matt and Severo, uh, Sarah Sabelko. You remember as they were, as they had that little one? And between life and death, you know, it was alive. They weren't sure it was going to live. And Matt told me that he, every day as he stood there, you know, as it was in that incubator, he said I would talk to him and, and said, you know, buddy, you know, keep going. Keep going. Keep going. Don't give up. Yeah. Keep trying. And then, of course, the little guy, he went to be with the Lord. And he told me that when that happened, God gave him a vision. And let me, let me, yes, he gave him a vision. And Matt was climbing a hill. And at the top of that hill, was that little one that had just went home to be with the Lord. Caleb. Caleb, is that what it was? Caleb and said, keep coming, Dad. Keep coming, Dad. Keep coming, Dad. Keep going, Dad. Keep pressing in, Dad. You know. Yeah. And you will notice that that inconvenience, that devastating loss did not stop those two young people from being faithful to their post and their, you know, role in the church and in, in life. Let me give you a modern-day parable. I'll ask Karen to come this morning. Well, this is really a true story, actually. How do you stress in your life? Maybe those burdens and those crises and those issues that you have in your life, God actually wants to use them so that you press in.
Anyway, there was, his name is Sadhu, and he converted to Christianity. And after his conversion, he felt called to, the, to be a missionary to India. In one late afternoon, as he and a Buddhist monk who was his guide was traveling on foot through the Himalayas, and it was bitterly cold and the wind felt like a, like a cold blade slicing into their skin, the story reads. And night was fast approaching when the monk warned Sadhu that they were in danger of freezing to death if they did not reach the monastery before darkness fell. And just as they were traveling a narrow path above a narrow path above a steep precipice, they heard a cry of help. Down the cliff lay a man fallen and badly hurt. The monk looked at Sadhu and said, Do not stop. God has brought this man to his feet, fate. He must work it out for himself. Then he quickly added while walking on, Let us hurry on before we too perish. But the missionary Sadhu replied, God has sent me here to help my brother. I cannot abandon him. The monk continued trudging off through the whirling snow while the missionary clambered down the steep embankment. The man's leg was broken and he could not walk. Sadhu took his blanket, made a sling of it, and tied the man on his back. Then bending under his burden, he began a body-torturing climb. By the time he reached the narrow path again, he was drenched with perspiration. Let me help you put that together. The imminent death was from freezing. That which he had been, had along to help with that he gave to another man. He made his way on through the deepening snow. It was dark now, and it was all he could do to follow the path, but he persevered. Though faint with fatigue and overheated with exertion, Finally, he saw ahead the lights of the monastery. Then for the first time, Sadhu stumbled and nearly fell, but not from weakness. It was all he could do to, excuse me, he had stumbled over some object lying in the snow-covered road. Slowly he bent down on one knee and brushed the snow off the object and it was the body of the monk frozen to death. Years later, he was asked this question. What is life's most difficult task? 
his response was to have no burden to carry. It was the burden that kept him from freezing. It was the burden that kept him from going, growing cold. The Bible says that as time ends and comes to wrapping up, that one of the issues that is going to plague the church is coldness. And it's because we refuse our burdens. We refuse to press in and press through because we love convenience. I'm going to be retiring as a major voice from this church. And I have noticed in all my messages that they are messages to the church. They're not only directional, but they are warnings. Church, brothers and sisters, moms and dads, you must never lose your burden. You must never let it fail or fall to convenience. Stand with me. And falling into a life of convenience. There is there is something in the spirit in this house. That is, it's more than exciting. Something very special. Something very special in the spirit. It's like the Holy Spirit hovering over in creation, ready to bring forth all the design of God and all the promise of God.
Let me give you David's prayer for his wilderness and how he responded to it. This is found in Psalm 63. It's a tough spiritual season for for David. He's tired. He's desperate. He's being pursued by Saul. He's hunted as as a criminal and he's running for his life. Here's what he says. Oh God of my life, I am lovesick for you in this weary wilderness. I thirst with the deepest longings to love you more, with cravings in my heart that cannot be described. Such yearning grips my soul for you, my God. I am energized every time I enter your heavenly sanctuary to seek more of your power and drink more in more of your glory. For your tender mercies mean more to me than life itself. How I love and praise you, God. Daily I will worship you passionately with all my heart. My arms will wave to you like the banners of praise. I will overflow with praise when I come before you. For the anointing of your presence satisfies me like nothing else. You are such a rich banquet of pleasure to my soul. I lie awake each night thinking of you and reflecting on how how you help me like a father. I sing through the night under your splendor shadow, offering up to you my songs of delight and joy. With passion I pursue and cling to you because I feel your grip in my life. I keep my soul close to your heart. Hallelujah. Let us not be victims of inconvenience. Amen? Hallelujah. God sets before churches open doors. But God does not make you walk through that open door. You have to walk through it. God sets open doors, but you have to walk through it. So the church God is setting before us an open door. We got to walk through it. Amen. Amen. As a church, we got to walk through it. As individuals, together, we got to walk through it. Hallelujah. Amen. And sometimes we have to press in and press through. It's not always convenient. My son, God says, you did not choose me, but I chose you. I have ordained you. You shall not fear, but you shall be strong in the Lord. He shall give his power and his might. You shall stand before the congregation, and you shall declare the word of the Lord. You shall not look at their faces, because many times their faces, you know what I mean, are not friendly. But you will look at my face, see my face. My face is pleased. My face is for you. It is not against you. Yes, there will be obstacles, 
but yes, there will be those crises and those difficulties. Indeed, they will be. But the burden that I give you will keep you warm in the coldest of the hour. Hallelujah. The fire that I put in you, hallelujah, shall, shall catch a, 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 a fire within the people that I set me before you. You shall not doubt. You shall not doubt, saith the Lord, your style. You shall not doubt the way that you operate in function. For it is not you, but it is me in you. I am the one that chooses the vessel. And I am the one that takes the vessel itself and makes it shine for me. Hallelujah. The Lord loves you, he says this morning. The Lord will strengthen you. Oh, yes. And the Lord will guide you continually. Hallelujah. Amen. We thank you, Lord. We bless him this morning. We bless Tanya today. We bless this house. We bless our future. Glory to God that is greater than our past. And we declare it this morning in the name of Jesus Christ. Give the Lord a praise. Hallelujah. 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 Amen. 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 You are personal. God is personal. Every one of you. You know what I mean? When he gives you his touch, it's personal. Okay? It's not just to go ahead and, and remedy. It's to make it personal. It's to build relationship. Okay? You can come out of a crisis, you know, like Israel, and it isn't very long that you forget the God that delivered you from the crisis. Amen? But God's not going to let that happen, okay? Ah, <laughs> uh, no, he ain't going to do it. Praise God. Hallelujah. God bless. Go with God. Amen.